You are listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at sungrove.org. Well, take out your outline out of your program today. We're going to jump into God's Word. We've been in a series called Headlines, and this is the headlines that Peter, a disciple of Christ, is shouting out to people who are being persecuted under Roman persecution for their faith in Christ, and and he is beginning to write to them, and we've already looked at chapter 1, and we've looked at chapter 2, and today we're going to begin with chapter 3, and and we're going to talk about being the man or woman that they're looking for. Wouldn't it be nice for you guys in the room, wouldn't it be nice to be the man that your wife is looking for? Wouldn't it be nice, ladies in the room, to be the woman that your husband is looking for you to be? Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't it be... What would it be like to, you know, be the single guy or lady that that special single out there is looking for? Wouldn't it be nice if you could be that special one that somebody is looking for? And wouldn't you like to be the person that the lost person's looking to watch your life and observe and say, you seem to have a hope and a love of Christ and you love the community and you love other people and I want what you have. Wouldn't it be nice to look a whole lot like Jesus Peter's headline overall for the entire book, basically, he wants to send this headline out this, by living an obedient and victorious life under duress, a Christian can actually evangelize a hostile world. And we're going to look at what that looks like. Peter left us with these instructions recently. He said, don't mistreat those who mistreat you. And later he said, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority. In other words, As you think about it, in front of you, you may have a human authority, but you're going to say, I'm going to look beyond that human authority, and here's Jesus standing behind it, and even if I don't necessarily respect, or maybe that person isn't an honorable person, it could be your boss, it could be a politician, it could be uh, somebody in your house, it could be a roommate or somebody else, but you're looking at this person, maybe they antagonize you, and you're saying, God, I'm looking beyond them at you, and for your sake, for God's sake... I'm going to submit myself to the authorities that God has put in my life. And even whether, you know, I decide uh, that I agree with everything they've done or not, you might be a child and you might be looking at that with your parents saying, God, maybe I I don't understand why they're asking me to do what they're asking me to do, but I'm going to look beyond my parent. I'm going to look at you and I'm going to submit myself to their authority for your sake, Lord, for the Lord's sake. And so now Peter's going to transition from outside authorities like authorities in the workplace and authorities, uh, you know, in the government situation and authorities all outside of us. And now he's going to talk about, well, what do you do when you have a marriage? What about authority in a marriage? And so he's going to talk to wives. He's going to talk to husbands. He's going to talk to all of us, singles and marrieds and young and old alike and a little bit here at the end. Uh, But he's going to talk about how do we disarm interfaith tensions in a marriage? And so he's got some instructions for believers. And before we jump into the scripture, I want to tell you, uh, read you a quote. It's from Stephen Baldwin. He's an actor. Maybe you know his brother, Alec Baldwin. Well, Stephen's a brother of Alec. And uh, he's become a Christian. But this is what he had to say about his coming to Christ experience. He wrote a book called The Unusual Suspect. And that's the picture right there. And in this book, he begins to talk about his journey from not believing in Christ to believing in Christ. And this is what he said. He said, my wife is having some kind of experience and I'm not. 
for the first time since Kenya had announced her intention to serve Jesus, I started to feel like I was missing out. Something real and powerful and beyond my limited ability to understand was happening in my wife's life. And I wanted to know what it was. Again, she hadn't done anything to push God off on me except live out her faith. And that was enough. When I tell this story, people sometimes ask, well, why she never sat down and explained to me the full story of who Jesus is and what it means to know him as if to imply that she shirked her duties as a Christian. People who ask this are dummies. They do not understand, listen, the power of God unleashed in my home for a year through the living gospel of my wife's life. She didn't have to preach it to me, and if she had, it wouldn't have done any good. Her life did all the talking, and after nine months, I finally started listening. Isn't that beautiful? There is something so attractive about a person's inner strength in a person who submits himself to God and begins to learn to trust God with their life. It's like you and I put off an aroma. There's some haze in the air today with, that work with the lights. And, and it's almost like you and I put off this, this aroma, this, this special secret sauce of the Holy Spirit that as you and I begin to obey Jesus and obey God, that the Holy Spirit begins to work and transform us. And without our knowing that, it's almost like other people are able to see there's a difference in you. There's something changed about you. There's something refreshing. It's an aroma of life. And there's something beautiful about that. When we go back and look at Peter and the people he's talking to in the first century, you need to understand something about men and women. First of all, you need to understand that under Jewish law, women were largely just property. That's what they were. That's all they were kind of seen as. They didn't have rights. They didn't you know, have a lot of things. And secondly, under Roman law, it got even worse. Under Roman law, you weren't just property. You had no rights. You just had zero rights whatsoever. And then Jesus came along. He submitted himself past those who were persecuting him to crucifixion on a cross. He did the will of the Father. And then Jesus begins to spawn off the Christ, uh, Christian movement. And through faith in Christ, Christianity championed women in radical ways in the first century. And so Peter's writing to women saying, some of you are actually, you've become a believer in Jesus. But now you have a challenge in your home because you believe in Jesus, but potentially your husband doesn't. So what do you do when you have an interfaith challenge in marriage? By the way, the number one fight in marriage and challenge for those of us who largely do premarital and help people with things, what do you think the number one fighting reason is? Money, very good. Well, you know what number two is? Interfaith tension, that's it. So those are the top two. So we look for that, right? That's why it's so important if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you profess to follow Jesus and you're on the single side of things, then it is God's will. He really wants you to look for someone to marry who is in the household of faith because you're, otherwise you're gonna just heap tensions and future, you're gonna magnify that in your home uh, later on. Now, fortunately, God in his grace has brought a lot of us who got married and has brought either one or both of those spouses to the Lord. And we see that all the time. And they have an awakening in their marriage of what marriage could be because of their relationship with Jesus. So Peter starts talking to the ladies first. Oh, he'll get to the guys, don't you worry. But he's going to talk to the wives first. If you have your Bible, it's 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. It says, wives, in the same what? In the same way. I'm going to say in the same way. 
in the same way. So he's talking to wives, in the same way. Now this word is a word in Greek, and it means likewise or in the same way. And we can't go any further until we know what he's talking about. Because when Peter wrote this down, he didn't write it with like chapter 2. Verse 1, there weren't chapter and verse designations when they wrote the scriptures originally. He was writing like a letter, so we have to follow his thought, right? We're in chapter 3, but we got to find out what does he mean in the same way as what? we got to look back at chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 23, speaking of Jesus, Peter writes, When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. And when he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. And when Jesus did this, it proclaimed his message even louder. Because he wasn't talking back, fighting back, striking back. Jesus could have stopped the whole suffering thing. He'd been like, I'm not getting crucified. He could have been like, I'm out of here. And oh, by the way, when I'm leaving, I'm going to go ahead and make the sun swell. And it's going to burn you all to little crispies like when you leave my, you know, popcorn in the microwave too long. And then every time you use, by the way, the microwave after that, it always smells like burnt popcorn. That's just the way it works. That's why your workroom at work always smells like burnt popcorn. Jesus could have done that. I'm out of here. Forget it. I'm not dying for the sins of the world. But he didn't. He entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. And he didn't speak back at those who were persecuting him. So now, with that context, Peter says, wives, in the same way as Jesus... Now we can read. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty shouldn't come from outward adornment such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands. And then he used an example, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to, help me out. You do not give way to what? Fear. You do not give way to fear. Man, fear makes us controlling, doesn't it? More afraid than we think we got to grab control, we got to take control, we got to make things happen. And one of the dangers you and I face is that when it comes to submitting to any authority in our lives, is we have to deal with the issue of fear. Number one in your outline says choose to honor the authorities, in this case, your husband, so he may be won over to Christ. And that's what the ladies were asking. I've come to faith in Christ. I have value and identity and authority. I am a daughter of the Most High. I am a king uh, under his authority, and I'm a ruler, and yet now I have this marriage where there's a faith that doesn't line up, and what do I do? And Peter's saying, listen, honor that husband. They, They may not even believe, but honor that husband. Don't leave him. Don't nag him. Don't prod him all the time. Don't be self righteous. Don't withhold physical love from him because he's not a believer. Honor him. Honor your husband. And secondly, you need to understand, well, how in the world am I going to do this? And we get to the trigger word in this passage. It's the word submit. And that's a trigger word for some like, 
I don't know what to do, right? But I got to let you know, number two in your outline, submit is what we naturally do when we trust. In this case, we're trusting God, the one who judges ju justly. So when I went and learned how to ski, I was in ninth grade, I went on a church snow ski trip to June Mountain, out near Mammoth Mountain in that area in the eastern Sierra Nevada. And, uh, and my parents were afraid that, you know, I might die skiing. So they set me up with a skiing instructor, gave me like a half day, just one-on-one -on -one with a guy. And, uh, and what I did is I wanted to learn how to ski. So I'm on the top of like the bunny slope and it's nicely groomed. There's no hazards. There's no jumps. The trees are far away, right? And I'm there, but I'm scared. And guess what I did? I submitted to my instructor. Because I trusted he probably doesn't want me to die. It's just not good if you're a ski instructor, if your students die, right? He did, this is not good for your reputation. So he doesn't want me to die. So I submitted. Because, so when he said, if you want to go, stick your skis like french fries. Then I started to go. And when you want to stop, put your skis like pizza. And I put my skis together like that and you slow down and you stop. I started, what I did, I submitted myself to my instructor and, and then he taught me more things like how to, how to turn and you know, make a carve and do all that. And so what did I do? I trusted he didn't want me to die. So naturally, I had no problem, I had no problem submitting to my ski instructor. Ladies in the room, some of you in the room, you regularly submit yourself religiously, wholeheartedly to makeup videos on YouTube and you do exactly what they do with exactly the right products because at the end of that video, if you don't, if you're like, forget it, I'm going to go my own way. I'm do my own thing. I'm going to, you grab the Sharpie marker and you try to do permanent makeup. It, it's, you are not going to be pretty. And so religiously, you will do it. You'll submit yourself because you trust that the person producing that video can help you get some results that you want for yourself. You want at the end of that video to be more beautiful. And what Peter is saying, he's not calling you out. What Peter is saying is, listen, don't, you, you, I'm not making an issue of do you trust that husband? He's saying, you submit and honor him because you trust God and God is always right and he always judges justly. He has your best intent in mind. He modeled it through Jesus in the same way, ladies, even if your husband doesn't believe, honor him. And don't give way to fear. Because when you and I give way to fear, we get all panicky and controlling. And that makes all of us pretty ugly. Trust God with your husband. Trust God. Why? God wants your husband to be a Christian more than you do. Trust him. Follow what Peter's talking about because you're going to trust God, not because it seems to make sense in the world, but because of what Peter's talking about and trusting the Lord. Understand God wants him to be a spiritual leader. God wants him to become a Christian. God wants him to do what is right. What's not pretty is when we get controlling. What's not attractive, when we give way to fear. That's the very thing that Peter warns us against in verse 6. But he goes on and and, and let me just unpack a little bit more of what he talked about there. Number three, honoring a spouse, even an unbelieving one, or a straying one, is part of our worship of God. It's not part of our worship of them. It's part of our worship of God. And let me say very clearly, when I talk about this idea, when Peter talks about it, when he talks about submitting, uh, he in no way, and nor do I, ever mean that it's okay to be abused. 
absolutely not. God is a God of justice. If you've gone through abuse in your life, whether it was physical or sexual or emotional, uh, verbal, if you've gone through those things, God's going to work with you. But God will say, you do everything you need to do to bring justice. We have a God of justice. And he will validate your abuse and then have you work in every way possible to work toward forgiveness like Christ did for the ways he was abused. It's both and. There's justice and forgiveness. Both come together. Either one can feel like abuse. If you just try to forgive without ever having justice, that's hard. If you just do justice, that could easily become vengeance. And God says, vengeance is mine. So honoring, let's back up a little bit, honoring a spouse, even an unbelieving one or a straying one is part of our worship of God. Listen, the, he uses Abraham and Sarah. And you're going, that's not fair. Peter, seriously, that's not fair that you would use Abraham and Sarah. Abraham is the father of Judaism. He is the father of the Hebrew people and, the, and all the Jews. He's the one who looked ahead and said, I'm going to give faith to God that someday there's a Messiah. Someday a Messiah who will tear apart the tensions we face as a consequence of sin. I'm going to look and I'm going to believe in that future. And his faith was credited to him as righteousness. So when you and I put faith in Jesus... Abraham was looking ahead at the Messiah. We're looking back, and for both of us, we're counted as righteous because of faith. This is the guy who modeled it. And you're going, that's not fair. You're taking like Abraham and Sarah, the perfect couple. But I gotta let you know, there were times Abraham was a hot mess. There was one time he was taking, he's a Bedouin guy, so he's got all his herds and his, his people, and, and they're all moving throughout the land, and they come into a territory where there's a king, and, and he's, his wife, Sarah, she's a hottie. She's beautiful on the outside. She's a knockout, okay? So they're going there, and he's afraid that if we go there, and if the king there finds out that this woman's my wife, he's going to kill me because he's going to want her. So he says to his wife, all right, all right we're just going to say that you're my sister, and Sarah could have put her foot down. That's it. I am not lying to the authorities. Uh, you know, and she could have just gone on. I can't believe you would even suggest that. You must not love me. And, you know, just went in the whole day. She, what did she do? She just kind of went along with it. Well, Abraham tells her, no, 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 she's my sister. And the king's like, perfect. She's not attached. I'll bring her as one of my queens. So they bring her in. They're starting to get her prepped to be maybe a potential queen. He finds out that it's Abraham's wife. He goes back to Abraham and said, you like, you deceived me and almost made me do something evil. Who's the more righteous man, Abraham or the king? Here's this unbelieving king and Abraham was trying to deceive him. Why? Because he gave way to fear. So when he's using this story, he's not saying here's a perfect situation. If you're a Jewish person, you're getting these words from, Heather, uh, from, from Peter, you all of a sudden are going, oh, mm, I can picture that. I can picture that. One of the consequences of sin that Jesus died to ultimately, in the end, reverse, when the fall of mankind happened, one of the disciplines, one of the consequences of sin was given that there will be tension between man and woman. That's just going to be a reality of our existence. And when you come into marriage, there will be tension in the marriage as far as who is in, who's going to lead who and who's going to 
honor one another. And most people, because of the fall of sin, we just want to honor ourselves and we bring that right into marriage. And so what happens is in life, there's always going to be this tension that exists as a consequence of sin. But Jesus said, because of my death on the cross, ultimately when you get to heaven and I get to heaven, someday all the tensions of life, they'll be removed. Won't that be nice? You won't have to validate your rights anymore. You won't have to have a tension of wanting to feel young, but your body is aging. You will not want to have the tension of being like, God, I want to praise you with all of I am, but I'm kind of guilty about my sin. But in heaven, it's all done. It's all washed away. And suddenly we're just able to be free. Won't that be nice? See, heaven's not just a place where you have great reunions. Oh, we will. But the thing I'm most looking forward to heaven is that the tensions of life are gone. And so Peter's saying, listen, there's going to be this tension between husband and wife about who's going to lead whom and how does it work. And he is saying, listen, in these situations, we worship God by honoring wives, your husband. And then he goes on and he'll talk to the guys in a moment. But until we get there, the last thing I want to deal with in this passage is part of the passage that people have misinterpreted for a long, long time. And and they're like, what's Peter's deal? Like, is a Christian woman not supposed to wear makeup? Is she not supposed to have nice clothes or have a good hairstyle? Like, what is his deal? Well, number four in your outline says, inner beauty equals outer attraction. Inner beauty equals outer attraction. Make who you're becoming noticeable, not merely what makeup and hair project. All the time you're projecting. We're trying to say, look at me, I'm beautiful. Look at me, look at my hairstyle, look at my clothes, look at my jewelry. But all of us around here, we know that outward adornment cannot make an inner person beautiful. So many of us right here, we know someone who is gorgeous or hot and they are an ugly person. And you may look and say, oh, from the outside, you're, maybe you're looking at celebrities or something. You're like, they have like the perfect, wow, they're so beautiful. But I got to let you know, there's probably a spouse involved there who's kind of tired of putting up with their stuff. Because no matter how beautiful you are on the outside, it can't make up for ugly inside. And Peter's saying, when you allow God to transform you and you become beautiful on the inside, it does something on the outside. Listen, all of us are going to age. All of us are going to sag. All of us are going to have you know, problems in the future, even with our health. And the difference is, are you and I going to have smile lines or are we going to have wrinkles? And you can see an elderly person who loves well. And you can see it on their face. And it's almost like this aura comes out from them because they love. And it's, it, here's the deal. The inner beauty makes them outwardly beautiful. There's a lot of hot people right now who given 35, 40, 45, 50 years are gonna have nothing to fall back on because they haven't developed the inner person. And let me tell you something that's so beautiful is godly obedience. He's saying godly obedience, when you trust God who judges justly, instead of just the authority you see in front of you, even if it's just positional authority. And let me just say in marriage, you have positional authority. God designed it so that the husband leads the wife, but he tells the husband how, and he flips it. Husband, you serve the wife for her benefit, for her protection, for, and then in your identity, you're equal. You are both equal before Christ. You have exactly the same standing before Christ. And so what he's talking about here is saying, wives, look beyond your husband at Jesus who didn't insult He didn't retaliate, and he submitted himself to God in a way that honored 
even those who at times persecute. Let me ask you a question, ladies, and this goes for both guys and ladies, but let me ask you ladies this question. Are you trying to fill that void inside with the noise of attention getting? You're wanting so much to be liked. You're wanting so much to be validated and beautiful. But you're trying to fill that void with this noise that crowds out God. This noise instead of God saying, I think you're beautiful. I created you. I'm the one who formed you in your, in your mother's inmost area. I formed you and I love you and here's who I call you to be. Or are you outward just trying to get all the attention you can and it just won't satisfy that hunger? Sean Penn says in the movie, Walter Mitty, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, they're looking through a camera a long ways away at a beautiful snow leopard. And he, and he has uh, Ben Stiller come over and look through the camera. And, and as he puts his eye to the camera, he sees this snow leopard that's really a hidden leopard. They're, they're not public in any way. And, and he says, beautiful things don't ask for attention. That's what Peter's saying. Become beautiful on the inside. He's not against hair. He's not against outward adornment. He's not against makeup. He's saying that can't be your reliance though. So let me tell you, be beautiful and continue to be beautiful on the inside. That makes you outwardly attractive and it's okay to make the barn look really well painted too. It's okay. It's okay to be beautiful on the outside, but make sure that the inner beauty is what really brings you the attraction you so desire. Jesus was sacrificial. So now Peter's gonna turn the tables. He's gonna talk to the men. So husbands, men, future husbands, even if you're single, listen up in the room. He says this, husbands, in the same what? Wait, it's the same word. He said, in the same way, we say as, in the same way as what? Well, again, 1 Peter 2, 23, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. So it's Jesus, in the same way as Jesus. And when Jesus did this, it made his message even louder. So Peter's arguing again, for the Lord's sake, husbands, in the same way as Jesus, now he gives us the instruction. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. He's saying this, husbands, you have a responsibility, the burden of leadership in some areas. And what you need to understand is how you lead also will impact what you pray and how you pray. In fact, a lot of times if you don't lead well, or you don't take initiative uh, to lead, or if you treat disrespectfully, it messes with us as guys. It, like, like we don't, oh, I don't think I could come to God. I just, we've got a big argument with my wife and you, know, and you begin to walk through that. And he's saying, let's, let's unhinder your prayers. Well, how do we do that? Number six on your outline. Husbands, free up your prayers by showing your wife courtesy and true consideration. She might be the queen of interruption, guys. Her thoughts can often seem really random, but to her, they are very connected to her efforts to trust and to feel secure. That's what her efforts are. She's trying to find out more information a lot of times because it has to do with her security in life and additional information helps. 
Give her your eyes. Give her your ears. Ask her input. Let her know she has a say in the matter and that her thoughts are important. Regularly communicate with her. Heather and I take an evening walk, and we typically will try to chase the sunset on nights we don't have, like if I don't have an evening meeting, we'll walk together. We're kind of side by side, and we're just walking. We begin to talk, and sometimes our talk is we're talking. We get concerned about stuff, and we'll just pray. And so with our eyes open, we don't walk there and like walk into a tree with our eyes closed. We pray with our eyes open, and as we're walking, and we'll just bring about different, I'm concerned about this or there's concerns and we we begin to just talk and pray that and and, and sometimes we connect because we're just together we have to have a routine in our lives otherwise it's so easy to miss each other it's so easy to be ships in the night that's what we do now let me tell you sometimes we'll walk and talk and it doesn't go well I say something and it is offended and maybe I didn't even know it and, and maybe I did know it and, and there are other times, right? And then you, you walk in, guys, you know what I'm talking about. You're walking along, you're just talking about stuff and all of a sudden you just see like all the nonverbals and you're like, what? <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> right? Why? Because there's always a tension. There's a tension. But let me tell you, when you have a regular time to show courtesy to your spouse, to be considerate. You're going to connect better. It helps her to not give way to fear. Do you follow what I'm saying? It helps her to not give way to fear. It helps her to trust as she wants to honor God in her life, and she wants to honor you, but help her, help her trust. Number six, husbands, free up your prayers by treating your wife with R-E-S-P-E-C-T. The opposite of respect is disrespect. So let me ask you, men, are you always knocking her down with words? Do you communicate impatience and disdain at her input? Respect her. And this is what Peter's saying. Listen, again, in this first century culture, there was no expectation of having to respect the spouse. There wasn't. But he's saying respect her. Listen, and the example he gives is she has exactly the same standing before God as a believer in Jesus Christ as you do. Yes, maybe culturally things are different. And yes, maybe culturally everybody's doing things in a different way. But he's saying, but as for you, you've got exactly the same standing. Under Christ and before God. And this is one of the ways that you honor God sacrificially. Like Jesus. In the same way as Jesus. Lead your wife with respect and consideration as you rely on God for your strength. Be confident with humility Develop smile lines, guys, not just wrinkles. Uh, Stay young at heart. Like, let's not all get old and act old. Let's stay young at heart, right? King David was described as being, in his younger years, ruddy and handsome and really admired by the ladies. But it was ultimately his dependence on God that enabled him to lead, to do his job, to be the king, to actually face really challenging circumstances, and to do it well. He's viewed as one of the greatest kings In all of Israel, he's described as a man after God's own heart, which means when he failed, he kept coming back to God instead of just saying, forget it and chucking it and going his own way. He kept coming, running back to the Lord. But his life comes with a warning. In the seasons, when he relied on the flesh, he sinned in brutal ways. Men, are you in that season right now? You're relying on the flesh and it's showing up because you're sinning in some brutal ways. When David was confronted about that in his life, 
he repented before God. He came back to God. He, he stopped walking in the brutal ways and he began to have a heart that became soft before God. And he ran back to God and found forgiveness. Men, honoring your wife, even an unbelieving one or a straying one, is part of your worship of God. That tension between man and wife, that tension between male and female, let me tell you something, it is not a problem to solve, it's a tension to manage. It's always gonna be there, and when you try to solve it, then you get, you get afraid, and so you try to solve it, and you go way too far to the other end. And then if you get to the point and you try to solve it the other way, you drew way too far to the other end, and it doesn't accomplish what you wanted in the first place. Now you can be independent and strong, and you've got no one to do life with because you tried to solve it. Let me tell you, in marriage, the song is in the tension. It's like a guitar string, and if you cut one end of the string to solve the tension, your song is gone. He wants the song to be in the tension. So until God ultimately removes the tensions of life in heaven, honor your wife. Wives, honor your husbands. And last, Peter's begin to talk to all y'all, everybody, young and old, single or married. And he says this, finally, all of you be like what? You know what that word is, like-minded? That is exactly the same word. It's in the same way. They decided to flip it around a little bit in English just to make it a little different. It's exactly the same root word. He's just saying again, in the same way. Now he said, I talk to wives, I talk to husbands. Now I'm talking to all y'all. And in the same way, the same way as what? The same way as Jesus. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. And when Jesus did, it preached his message even louder. So now Peter's coming all the way back saying, wives, husbands, but now more importantly, all y'all. In the same way as Jesus, now we can read the passage. Be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another. Be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with a blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. And then he quotes Psalm 34. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do Good, they must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now listen, under Christ, you and I still do some things sometimes that are evil. His ears are attentive to you because now the barrier has been removed through Jesus. We have direct access to God. So you can approach, even when you've done evil, the throne of God and find mercy in your time of need. You can do that. So he says, don't mistreat those who mistreat you. Instead, repay evil with praise or a blessing by speaking well of them. He's saying, in the same way, in the same way as Jesus, in the same way as Jesus hanging on a cross, and as he's hanging on the cross, there's, there are people who are heckling him. They're, in fact, the religious leaders, the people who shouldn't heckle, they are heckling loud and clear. And they're down below. And as he's on the cross, they're heckling him on the cross. They're making fun of him. They're insulting him. He could have insulted them back. He could have, like, smoked them right there. He could have done whatever he wanted. But on the cross, he begins it there, and he gives them something instead. He prays. He gives them a blessing. What is, was his blessing? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. 
See, he didn't just say, well, if I can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. He said, I'm being insulted. I'm being tortured. And yet, I'm not going to retaliate. I'm not going to threaten them with all I could do as God. I'm going to bless them. So he prayed for them. He spoke well of them. He prayed for their salvation. He forgave those who were persecuting him. And the work for the believer, for all y'all, is that we should not mistreat those who mistreat us. Instead, we're going to repay evil from those who are insulting us with a blessing. And sometimes it's verbal, and sometimes it's praying for them, but often it's forgiving them so that we are no longer on the hook of their insult. Let me pray with this real quick. With your heads bowed, your eyes closed. Believers in the room, maybe God's put something on your heart today where you want to begin to talk to him and you want to begin to honor and trust him instead of trusting yourself. Maybe you've been giving way to fear and you become over-controlling. Maybe you have given way to fear and you become overbearing. And God just wants you to talk to him about that at this time. But there's others in the room. You've never given your life to Jesus. You didn't realize that what he did on the cross can wash away your sin, that you give yourself to him. You give faith in what he did on the cross that that can save your soul. And if that's you today, then you pray a prayer right where you're seated like this. Just pray it right where you're at. God hears you. Just say something like this. Jesus, today I give you me. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. That you were buried. You rose to new life because you're God. I ask you to wash me as white as snow. Forgive me of all my sin. Make me a new creation on the inside where I can be beautiful because today I give you me. Thank you for listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For information on Sun Grove Church, visit our website at sungrove.org.